welcome back to the Technically F1 podcast, where your three people on it today are in three different locations. <laughs> Want to start with that, guys? What do you have to say? Sean? Oh, well, yeah. We are in different locations, and that's well, kind of normal. All right, but where where are you? I mean, obviously, you know, Rashad, like, obviously every single week we're next to each other in our podcast recording studio that we spend millions of dollars on, but um, where where are we today? <laughs> uh, well, I'm in Seattle. Okay, I'm in Maine, in Amar. I'm in Virginia. Amazing. Okay, so podcast from three different places. Let's hope it works. Anyways, um... Do we shout out Clarkson's Farm? We've all been watching it. It's, yes, I'd say, definitely. an amazing show. Um, yeah. For those who haven't watched it, um, if you've got Amazon Prime, just watch it. It's amazing. Um, let's get into F1. Amar, what, or who do you think right now is going to be leading the championship? Um, do, 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 do. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's probably going to be Hamilton again. Okay. All right, Rashad, shall we reveal what's happened? Uh, Verstappen? Yeah, it's Verstappen leading the championship with the Red Bulls looking the fastest. Yeah. Fill me in, please. <laughs> okay, so shall we go race by race then, Rashad? Yeah, okay. All right, cool. I'm going to go pull this up on my phone. First race this year, first thing that happened was testing. I think we had a podcast after testing. Mm. Maybe not. Anyways, Red Bull was uh, fastest out of preseason testing. So uh, that was pretty much, it was clear. And Mercedes had some spins there as well. So they did only look slow. They looked like, you know, hard to drive as well. And in the race, uh, Verstappen did not win. Hamilton won. So it looked as though business was usual. But he did get close. He almost won the race. But he had to give a position back because of an illegal overtake. Hmm. Uh, And then Imola, Verstappen did win. Uh, with Lewis second, but Lewis also slid off the road earlier in that race, so he had a really good recovery drive. But that put Verstappen momentarily in the lead of the championship. Then Rashad Portugal, what happened there? Um, I forgot exactly what happened. Oh, okay, so it but... says Lewis won here and Verstappen second. Yeah, okay. that's what normally happens. Exactly. <laughs> and then Spain happened, and... And I think this was an interesting podium. No, it was not. It was the exact same podium as always, uh, with Lewis first, Verstappen second, Bottas third. Uh, I think we're all getting used to that at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lewis started to pull out in the championship end. We were, you know, it looked as though he was going to be um, pretty much winning it at that point. But then Monaco happened, where it takes mm-hmm. guess who uh, took pole in Monaco? Charles Leclerc. In the Ferrari, the slow Ferrari. Speechless. Yeah. Okay. Or, or maybe it's Anchor doing its thing. Gosh, I love this podcasting app. Anyways, no, Max Verstappen won in the race. Yeah, and Carlos right. Sainz was second, and Carlos Lando Sainz. Norris was third. Yeah. And then Azerbaijan. Oh, that was interesting. Sergio Perez won. And I know you're happy about that. For... And Vettel got second. Yeah. And Gasly got third. And uh, best of all, Hamilton got 15th. Exactly. Wow. Now, Rashad, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, it looks as though Gasly has now scored more points in F1 than Albon had, even though Albon's been at Red Bull. 
Albin's not even in F1. I know, I know, I know. But somebody was scoring up the points after all these races. And someone uh, figured out, yeah, so Albon has now more points than Gasly. Or excuse me, Gasly has more points than Albon, even though he's been a Red Bull driver. Anyways, um, so with that race, even though both Verstappen and Hamilton crashed out, uh, Verstappen kept the championship lead after Monaco because, you know, just no way of Hamilton calling that back. And then Mercedes is also behind in the Constructors' Championship, which is is crazy to me because they've not been behind in that since 2014. And the funny thing is, even though they're not doing so well, Adrian Newey still looks like he lives in a trailer park. (laughs) (laughs) No, not a trailer park. He just looks (laughs) drunk. A bit drunk, or yeah. come on. That's not I, much better. I mean, no, not really. It's not really any better at all, actually. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so interesting couple of races, Rashad. Nothing really of note early on, but I guess Imola was an interesting race because it showed that Verstappen was a good wet weather driver. Which mm. I mean, I guess you would expect that, but I guess I, I don't think there was really ever a race where he won it that was a wet weather race. So it was big, at least for me, to see that he did well there. And then um, Monaco as well, because he's got this sort of reputation of crashing in the same spot every single year. Because <laughs> he did it 2017, 2018, 2019 in practice. So just three years in a row. But, you know, he's able to not do it there this year, which is great. Although, wait, Leclerc did it this year, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it was in the same place. Um, but actually, the Ferrari seems to have qualifying pace, which is weird, because it instantly just falls away in the race. It's like, oh, nope, look at this, they're doing well in qualifying, but then, no, they have nowhere in the race. So my race prediction was destroyed in Azerbaijan when Leclerc went from first to fourth, very quickly. I see. Yeah. Um, but Perez, how do you think he's performing, Rashad, in comparison to Verstappen? Well, I mean, Honest he's doing extreme. He's a bit more, um, well, okay. I put this. <laughs> I know. I think I know what's coming. Consistent. Like, <laughs> he's consistently at the top. Verstappen will win a race, then he'll just right. not finish the next race. Which is exactly what happened this year already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get your point after last year. I was like, yeah, but he's gonna. he's not going to do that this year. And then the second I said, like, a couple weeks ago, he's not going to do that this year, he did it this year. It's interesting. I, you do have a point about that. He has the sort of knack for winning than not finishing a race. I mean, you don't win a championship that way, so hopefully he doesn't do that again. Um, but yeah, with this, Rashad, championship predictions. Shall we revise our championship predictions, everyone? What were they? That's a great idea. Yeah, um, well, I, Rashad, I have no idea what we decided. I think we probably said Lewis getting in there and winning it. Um, didn't you um, Didn't you have a predictions video that had 800 views? Ah, uh, yes, yes, because what? That, predict- that predictions video, Rashad, as we know now, was wrong. And that's why we don't talk about it. I did tell video. you that. <laughs> <laughs> I also unsubscribed after that. <laughs> I, I should have run that by you before I posted it. That was, I mean, time and place, sure, it was lucky that it got the views that it did, but still, I don't think it was totally worth it to get, you know, 800 people saying, no, you're wrong. 
but then the again, comments my, were kind of funny, though. They were funny. Um, my midfield predictions were right, so I'm happy about that. Except for the fact that McLaren's doing worse than I thought they would. Um, Hold on. Anyways. Let's take a pause real quick. Yeah. Your YouTube channel. I didn't even know you had one. Can you call it out real quick so I can yes. and other people can check it out later? Okay. So it's the Technically F1 YouTube channel for those who have not okay. already subscribed. And um, it's generally weekly content, but I couldn't be bothered to make a video on the plane yesterday. So, you know. That would have been a good one. It would have been a good one, but there would have been so much noise. Um, you know, it wasn't a Boeing plane. It was an Airbus plane. So it was, you know, not a comfortable plane ride, as you can imagine. Oh, my God. Bouncy. True. Yeah. <laughs> what is your – why, though? anger from me not liking Airbus. I mean, no, actually, it wasn't a bad ride at all. It was um, – Well, what's wrong with Airbus? Is... We're going to derail this conversation real quick, but I'm going to go on a limb and say you've only flown on A319s and 20s. No, actually. Okay. No, no, no. I have flown in all the Airbus planes that I've flown on. I've flown on an A320, a 21, a okay. 30, and an 80. The A380 okay. was. All right. Sorry. I take that back. No, 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 no. But the A380 felt slow because I looked at like the live speed and it was going like 500 miles an hour. We're <laughs> in the jet age. We go 600. Um, and <laughs> that plane weighs like. So much, man. I <laughs> don't even know off the top of my head. It, it's right. unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's a miracle that it gets off the ground. So, it's you know, it's amazing that it actually goes off the ground. Yeah. Oh my hot God. take. Hot take. A350 yeah. is the best. Uh, at the moment, I completely agree. It's it's newer than the 787, even though, in, in yeah. my opinion, it's a clone of the 787. Because it's like five years newer, it yeah. gets all of the benefits of being a plane that's five years newer. It probably True. is the best True. right now. Yep, fair enough. Yep. Um, anyway, racing cars. Racing cars. Um, where were we? Oh, yes, championship prediction. Uh, Rashad, who will win it? Red Bull. Red Bull will win it. Okay. I have to say that. Yeah, you have to say that now. Uh, just to help Verstappen along, you know, because he obviously listens to this podcast. Not oh. Verstappen. Oh. Okay. Perez. Perez is going to win the championship. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not really, no. One but, uh... race win, and Perez is going to win the championship. Well, I mean, if he keeps up where he's at, he might have right. a chance in the future, at least. Yeah, I mean, if Verstappen truly bottles it at this point and throws away his second-ever championship lead, then there's a question about whether he even deserves to win this year's championship. But, um, no, I think he'll win the championship, but I think Mercedes will win the Constructors' Championship mm. because I think they'll claw it back. And Perez or Verstappen will have one too many DNFs. That would be non-point scoring. Um, but I also think that Hamilton and Verstappen will crash into each other. Rob, <laughs> what do you think? I think, well, with Verstappen and Hamilton, um, there's not much of a lead, let's be fair. Verstappen right. has such a little lead right. that if he's not consistent, he he's will. not going to keep that lead. I mean, he'd have to consistently beat Hamilton. Well, I think the real thing is going to be the points difference from second or from first to second place is seven points. So isn't first to second the um, four points? No, no, it's seven because it goes from twenty-five down to eighteen. Oh wait, oh you mean in the racing thing? The race, the driver's standard. No, 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 no. Um, No, wait, it is four points. I thought it was two points. Oh, wow, okay. So Verstappen does have a bigger lead than I thought. But it's not a big lead. Anyways, if Verstappen wins this next race at boring France, 
then um, then he'll have a 12-point lead over Hamilton. If Hamilton wins, he's got a four-point lead. And if Hamilton is the four-point lead, then Verstappen really needs to get it in gear because the, the European stretches where Mercedes claws everything back. I mean, think about it last year. Where was the, by the time that Verstappen was actually getting points on Hamilton and trying to get that uh, second place over Bottas in the championship, it was already too late for the constructors' championship. So I just don't think that if Mercedes gets enough of a lead, I think we're screwed in the end. But um, I don't know. Uh, Amar, what's your prediction? Uh, jeez, I agree with you, Jack. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Rashad, we didn't say who's going to win the Constructors. Who's it going to be? Constructors is obviously Red Bull. Okay. I mean, Mercedes kind of messed up really yeah. bad in uh, testing. That's a good point. They've built a car that is simply too sensitive. And Bottas, look at Bottas. He yeah. technically, well, he is a good driver. Right. And he's, he's technically in sixth a good place. <laughs> well, he's in sixth place. How did he manage that? How oh, I mean, or I guess Monaco. That makes sense. He's behind Leclerc, Norris, yep. Perez, Hamilton, and Verstappen. I can see how he's behind Norris, right? Norris has been on a run of podiums, and that that's good for Norris. Leclerc, I can also see. He said two consecutive poles, and Perez, I can see. Who is the other person he's behind? Actually, no, Hamilton and Verstappen. Okay. That's fine. Who he's behind right now? But imagine if he drops behind Ricardo, right? That would pretty much destroy his reputation right now because Ricardo's been on a. Bad spell, we can say. Right, Rashad? Can we say that? We can say that. He hasn't scored many yes. points. Over 26 points. Yeah, but Norris has scored, what, like 40? He must have scored about 40 now. Who? Norris, right? Oh, uh, Norris. Um, uh, Norris is 66. Oh, okay. So more than 40. So that's it's 40 points more than Ricardo. I mean, if you get... Okay, uh, you're not gonna like this. All right, let's hear the stat that I'm going to hate. Um, if you look at Mick Schumacher, um, oh no, he has zero points. Yes, he's got zero points. And uh, well, um, uh, Mick is not really okay. You you keep claiming you're gonna try to make some rookie. Yes, I keep claiming he's the best best rookie. By the way, Amar, right? If you got your phone next to you. Look at the three, um, the new three rookies in this year, uh, and you can decide who's the best. You've got Yuki Tsunoda, who's in a competitive AlphaTauri. You've got uh, Mick Schumacher, who's in an uncompetitive half, and you've got Nika or Nikita Mazepin, who mm-hmm. is in an uncompetitive half. And one of those people in the competitive half is spinning away at chances at potential points. The other one uh, simply is trying to drive it the best he can, and he can't get points. And then the one in the good at Alpha Towery is okay. So you can make your decision about who you think is the best. Russell's also not doing so well, I think. Um... Yeah, but he's had an engine failure and a gearbox failure in one race. It's like Mercedes route to get him. It's crazy. He's uh, He has zero points as well. He's well, yeah. actually worse than Mick Schumacher. How was he behind Mick Schumacher? He's, ow, that's unbelievable to me. Actually, no, I bet Baku probably killed his points because Mick Schumacher got, like, what, 13th? I think he did get 13th. Yeah, that put Haas ahead of Williams. That's unbelievable. And Latifi's last, even behind Mazepin. How has he managed to get behind Mazepin? Latifi is supposed to be coming up strong here, but yet he's doing nothing. 
still I mean, finishes the races, and well, that's what happens. He's showing that he does not deserve the Williams seat. That's what he's showing. Well, I mean, the Williams seat in general is not a very um. Well, look at it for twenty twenty one. Right, you want. I disagree because right now, right, Ferrari have their budget cap allotted to them. It's like what one hundred thirty million dollars at this point, and they have enough money to build a new engine and a chassis that they think is going to be competitive. If they can now cut out, or Williams in this case can cut out that engine cost, I mean, think about how competitive their chassis will be. I think that that's the bet for next year, Williams or McLaren. But McLaren's anyway. probably going to do better than Williams. Maybe. It's but how it works. It's all about how it works out next year. So you think McLaren, is that your bet for next year's championship? We're getting ahead of ourselves. But... Well, not championship, because championship is obviously probably either Mercedes or Red Bull. No, no, Mercedes is going to have no money after this year if they get first or second in the championship, because their money is now all pretty much decided about how well they do this year. If they do well, then they get penalized for it. If they don't, then, you know. Again, they get penalized for it. So they have anyway, no money. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Uh, pretty much either way, yeah. Um, all right, I want to go to coming up, or races coming up. Ooh, Amar. The French. Oh, okay, let's talk about the, the French Grand Prix is a controversial one. Amar, I want to talk about what you think of when you think about the French Grand Prix. Because you probably watched some good ones. Take it, maybe not, but interesting. Uh, Rashad, what do you think of when you think about the French Grand Prix? Turn five. Which one's turn five? Uh, it's like an acute angle, almost. Interesting. It bends back on itself, right? Almost. Like I mean, it, it's almost ninety degrees, except just a little bit less. Okay. I think of boring DRS passes, and then once everyone's out of DRS range, just boring racing in general. Well, there are two big DRS ones. Right, but then, right, because they're so long, the DRS straights, you can just go past them. It's easy. I mean, it's probably the least necessary DRS zone in the entirety of F1. Honestly, this would be an amazing test track if you're trying to test out a new car or something, you know? Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, why do you think Bugatti almost bought it? I mean, it is one of, in my opinion, at least the best tracks you can test a car at. Because you've got the straightaways, you've got your right. quick turns, and you've you got, got your, your rounded speed. areas. You've got your high-speed and low-speed corners. It's got pretty much everything. But what it doesn't have is ability to make F1, in its current state, good racing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. So that's the French Grand Prix. Although, you know what? We've seen better racing at these racetracks than we've been at in previous years this year than we have in other years. I mean, think about all the races that we've had so far. Portugal, I think, was a good race. Sort of. Spain was painful, as always. Um, Monaco was Monaco. Uh, Bahrain was good, as always. And Imola, there, were act- there was actual overtaking. So, I mean, I guess let's hope it stays like this. You know what looks like an interesting Grand Prix? Yes. Okay, go A ahead. Japanese Grand Prix. Well, it always is. It just looks, the track as a whole just looks really interesting. Yeah. Now, Amar, the last time you were on the podcast, there were a couple of race slots that had not been filled. So we fill you in on what got filled in. Oh, he's gone. Oh, no. Shall we send the code again? 
I'm not sure. He's back. Oh, he's back. I don't know. I just, I don't know what happened. Ladies and gentlemen, Omar is back. This is brilliant. It was uh, such a long... <laughs> yes, racetracks. Go on. Racetracks. Okay. So we've got a couple of slots that have been filled, and I want to hear your opinions on these racetracks, because some of them uh, I and you and Rashad have never heard of. Um, I bet. Okay. So there's this racetrack on October 1 to 3rd that's called TBC. Uh, no, no, no. That's just one that has not been chosen yet. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can tell you, TBC, that is an incredible Yeah, I love track. it. Real good. Yeah. Um, the Russian Grand Prix is back. So, Rashad, the race that we probably hate the most, not because of its location, more because of its um, its actual, the nature of it. I mean, it's just... It's, it's not, not the one that I hate the most. Which is the one you hate the most? I mean... Austria is... No, meh. wait a minute. That is the scenes of great racing, as we've seen in these previous years. But, uh... What do you want to call it? The, the one that replaced Canada. Ah, yes, Turkey. Uh, which is not on the calendar this year. Yeah. Got kicked off. Anyways, um, one place that got filled was one of the end-of-season rounds by the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. That was a rumor the last time you were on the podcast. Uh, what do you think of that? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear <laughs> okay. me? Uh, was that was that question for me? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I mean, as far as the track goes, it's interesting. Actually, I think I definitely like it better than the Russian Grand Prix. I don't know if yes. we we're going to talk about that, but um, yeah, it's got some more turns. It looks it looks like a good flowy track. I will say. Yeah. So I think we both agree that, like, on a qualifying lap, this will be probably the most dramatic. I think Hamilton's – this is Hamilton's race, so 27 high-speed turns. Oh. And it doesn't look to be, like, a very good overtaking track. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be the drivers with the biggest balls who will do well here. Because it's like, if you can stay next to somebody to do one of these turns, then outbreak them, then, you know – You've got an epic overtake for the end of year montage. That's fair. Could be a lot of good driving at the at the at the edge. Yeah, exactly. At the limit, rather. <clears throat> Although, I mean, Rashad, with the speed that these cars are at at this one, I think we will be seeing more crashes. Although, then again, the uh, we'll call them the drive to survive F one fans will love that. Um, anyways, Daniel Ricardo will not. You know, no, Ricardo will hate this track. Um, I think we can all agree on that. Um, yeah, but the one problem is all the turns are very rounded. Oh, you see, I like that. Because in previous years, all these new street tracks have all had 90-degree turns. And it's just so so artificial. Whereas I think this one's actually going to have some sort of a um a hope for being a good track. Now, Amar, there's a new one uh, in the Netherlands uh, Dutch Grand Prix track. It's called Zandvoort, and it's been rebuilt. It's an old track, um, but I'm going to look at the overhead track layout right now. It actually is a bank. The F1 tracks with a banked Ooh. corner. Yeah, let me see here. Zandvoort. This is one that we were supposed to race Which in corner? 2020. I think it's like the last turn. Look at that. 13 or? I'd say 13, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at okay, it right now. That's kind of interesting because then you go straight into a DRS area. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, 14. Is it? I think it's I'm looking 14. at the 14 15 combo. That looks to be bank. 15? Yeah, 14 15. Oh, on the map I'm looking at, it's only. It goes up to 14. Ah, uh, okay, we're looking at different maps. Oh, wait, maybe anyway. I'm looking at the wrong. Uh, maybe I'm looking at like the old map or something. It's all right. I wonder what the racing line will be if they're there. Probably really high on the banking. Although that will destroy the tires. I mean, if what the Baku City Circuit can destroy the tires, this thing will really kill them. Oh yeah, the fourteen fifteen. That's yeah. yeah. Okay, the map I was looking at um had switched the thirteen and the fourteen. Yeah, and it just pushed it back one. Oh. We lost Amar. Do we have audio issues? Yes, we do. Do we, we have anchor issues? Yes, we yes, do. Yes, we do. Glorious. This is our favorite thing. Um, shall we continue? He's back. Why this keeps happening? Well, see, this is the lovely, lovely software that we use for our podcast. And um, not so lovely at this point uh, here. Yeah, thanks, Spotify. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Spotify. You spend... All this money on a podcasting software, three dollars and fifty cents, and <laughs> you uh, give us this gem of a tool. Oh, Thank you. Anyways, Dutch go. um, Grand Free, Rashab, you said, "What's your favorite turn of that?" Um, I mean, they're all so. It's an old track, so it, you know they're all like real turns. Mm-hmm. They're actually built around you know the landscape, unlike these modern tracks where they dig everything out and. I gotta say, around. I love the, the 10 11 bit there. Yeah. I think this is gonna be a special one. Um, maybe difficult to overtake, but definitely special nonetheless. Right, right, right. Yep. But, you know, still, it's gonna be. Ramar, last time we were talking about, you know, the new regulations to try to make it easier to overtake, quote unquote, easier to overtake. Mm-hmm. You said it, I think, best. You know, they just need to be giving it more of a ghost, you know, sending it more often, bigger balls yeah. sort of stuff. And I think this year might have proven you right because, you know, the whole issue of overtaking has been less of a thing. I mean, sure, we've gone to tracks that are pretty good for that, but nonetheless, we've definitely seen some interesting racing that have actually been able to continue from multiple corners, not just a straightaway. So uh, is it going to be a fact of just putting the car on the limit through most of the track? What do you think? Shop more. Um, I don't know. Can you hear me? Yep, hear you. What's happening? Uh, ah, okay. painful. <laughs> okay. No, so anyway, um, I was just looking at pictures of the track. Not yeah. just like the, the layout, but like actual photos from, you know, the scenery and everything. That yeah, I've yeah. One from, it must have been... Jesus, a race from the four, uh, probably the fifties or something. I can't okay. date it. But back yeah. in those days, man, they were like sliding these cars around. So like these these turns, they, yeah. they would have been like exciting not only for the drivers but just like seeing it. And you know, with modern F one cars, obviously sideways is slow, but right, uh, it's definitely a different dynamic. So, but I mean, still full send. Let's yeah. see what it takes. Make it interesting. Modern Absolutely. day, I guess so. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where 
as you say, sideways is considered slow now, but uh, I feel like there's got to be some point where we, well, not go back to the way it was, but mm-hmm. Rashad and I have been talking here about, um, you know, getting the F1 cars to weigh less, and now there's actually been an F1 driver who's mentioned it. Um, and we were talking about it on another podcast, and uh, we were looking at the weight figures and the regulations. It looks like at the beginning of a race next year, the cars are going to weigh 900 kilograms. Okay. And that sounds like, you know, not very much in consider, or when you consider a road car. But we then looked back at the 2009 cars in the refueling era, and at the beginning of a race, they would weigh 640 kilograms. Yeah, that's wild. So we've gone up, like, 250 kilograms in less than 15 years. I mean, so have they? What exactly drove the weight? So they say the big, you know, turbo engines drive that up, but I think that, I can't. I mean, I can't yeah, I just don't think that's it because you know, obviously, there's the whole um, the hybrid system, and I know that's supposed uh, to be heavy, yeah. but apparently, these companies are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to shave grams off of it every single year and i think if they're spending if there's that much investment in it it cannot weigh as much as they're you know they're saying it does sure sure so the biggest uptick in the weight has been in 2017 and 2021 Mm -hmm. and those both coincide with the regulation changes and for 2017 it makes sense because the cars became longer wider all that stuff yep but um for 2021, it doesn't make sense because they're getting narrower and shorter. And the time that they did that in the 90s, I looked back and thought then, the cars actually lost weight. Um, mm-hmm. And it went from like uh, 650 kilograms dry, no fuel, no oil, anything, yeah. uh, to about like 615 kilograms dry. So, I, I mean, sure, it wasn't a huge weight loss then because there wasn't as much in the car. But even with the electronics, I have to question is there a point where we just have to say enough's enough and we got to lower the weight of these things? I would wholeheartedly agree. I don't... What are they even doing? See, the, like, this is probably why I stopped following F1. Right. Just, like, rules change, it seems like, every year, or maybe even race to race sometimes. Yeah. What, are, what, are, what, what is the end goal? Like, what are they, what are they shooting for here? And why, why are these weights going up? I think they just have to stop bolting on so many wings and spoilers to these cars. Yeah. Probably shave a few kilograms there, honestly. But all in the name of speed and efficiency, I get it. I mean, I think we sort of want to decide what we want F1 to be. Do we want it to be the greatest racing series of all time? Do we want it to be a technical showcase? Do we want it to be like the pinnacle of efficiency? What do we want it to be? Right. And for each of those things and for many other things we want it to be or could want it to be, there's a different sort of thing that the rules would have to be like. But the way it is now, it's almost as if they're trying to roll it all into one. And I don't really think you could do that. No. Not in the place that we're in now. And the problem with going this route is I think probably more the fact that, you know, we could be going down the spec series route, like IndyCar. Mm. And I don't know your opinion on that, but I really am not excited about that. What do you think? Well, I mean... It's kind of hard to – F1 really is, like, the pinnacle of racing. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether you find it interesting or not, like, the sheer technology and obviously the, yeah. the money that goes into it. Um, 
but to like go down the route like to change change things up to where you're basically trying to mimic aspects of a different sport entirely i mean still racing i guess but yeah i don't know no, if i, I agree think with that. i don't know if i yeah. agree i mean it is just pretty much indycar and nascar that are the only spec series that i can think yeah. of off the top of my head because you know endurance racing is obviously customized to every single team it's incredibly customized yeah. Um, and even touring cars is pretty custom because it's all about, you know, what chassis your car brings to the table. Um, and I think if we did end up going down the spec series route, I mean, if there wasn't yearly developments that made the car look different every year, right. we would have truly lost F1. We will have truly lost F1 at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's fair. I would agree. But I think it would be more okay if you said there was, you know, you got the best engineers together and every year they had half a billion dollars to developing it with the new best car. Right. Right. I think that would be interesting. It would be losing the spirit of competitiveness, but it would have still the aspect of, you know, you've got, it's still a development game. That's and true. that would be really interesting to come in with. That's true. I guess it depends what are, what, what do, what does the average fan want out of, yeah. out of the sport, you know? And I truly, I truthfully, I have no idea what they want. It's it's interesting, but I think for now at least we got to just sit through this season and mm-hmm. we'll see what this new regulation change brings. Because the skeptics have been out in force recently, and that's been really interesting. Because I've really only heard the sort of um, the stuff that's been coming out of the F1 camp, which is like you know they're slashing the wake of the cars by eighty percent and that sort of stuff. Jeez. And that that sounds like a great number. Like 80% is a great percentage to be taking out. I mean, if it's 80% better racing, which is essentially what they're trying to get at, um, then, you know, that sounds great to me. But um, I just don't think it's going to be that. Right. And also, like, is it just me? Or is it, like, driving at 200 miles per hour and then on corner entry you slide? I think you're going to destroy the cars now that they weigh 900 kilograms. Or the tires. <laughs> I mean, like... There's going to be a point where we have to ask, can the tires actually handle it anymore? Like, is it time to lose the weight? That's a great point. Didn't even think about the tires. Yeah. Now, it's uh, time to reveal the mystery driver that was talking about this. Now, uh, Amar, would you like to take a guess with who it is? Uh, um, the Stig. Okay. No, no, no. Hamilton said it. What? I never expected this to be coming okay. out of his yeah. camp. And he said, like, why is the weight so high? And I was like, wow. I was not expecting it to be him. I was expecting it to be Verstappen sort of having a whinge. That, being like, that question, know. I actually was like, it, it's definitely not going to be Hamilton. So yeah. who else could it be? All right. Well, okay. When I read the – right, I saw this uh, on the internet, and – the article title was This Week in F1, What's Happened, and that sort of stuff. And in yeah. that was Driver Speaks Out About the Weight of F1 Cars. And I was like, oh, who's it going to be? Because the picture that they put up for the entire thing was Hamilton. And I was like, oh, not going to be Hamilton. And then I got to that one. I was like, oh, my God, it's Hamilton. What the heck? It just That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I guess a couple years of somebody doing what or what F1 is now, I guess that sort of probably swayed his opinion a bit on how it's how it is as a sport oh yeah sure um anyways though as you were saying as i think when you sort of fell out of the call you were just <laughs> talking about um 
uh, races coming up this year. Got anything you're excited for? Maybe even something that we could entice you into watching. But yeah, I have, yes. Let's okay. The, the latter. What should I watch? And actually, okay. Commit to this thing. So this weekend, right? We've got the French Grand Prix. Yeah. And that could be your move. Now. Oh, no. It's kind of boring, though. You know, it is going to be a, a terribly boring race, right? Well, that's, just... that's not very convincing, guys. No, 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 no. It is not a good race. It's not a good racetrack. It, it's hard to overtake there, but but it could get your appetite. It won't. No, forget it. Let's go to Austin, <laughs> which is um, the 25th of June. Okay. But that's kind of boring as well. 25th to 27th of June. The race is going to be on that Sunday. Which that race could is this? Be good. I didn't catch it. Austria. Oh, Austria, okay. It's but the track's kind of boring. No, no, Rashad, right? It's easy to overtake there. There's wide mm. tracks for the wide cars. I think this could be the place. I, I like to see overtaking, so if this is yeah. the race, that's already calling my name for sure. Right, exactly. Amar, I'm going to call you next weekend. Although, then again, yeah. I'm going to call you this weekend. Just to, I'm going to need help sitting through this one. Call. French ones. Yeah. Let that me know Okay, yeah. look at the Austrian track map, though. You say it's not interesting just because it's not, uh, you know, got all these squiggly lines in it doesn't mean it's not interesting. This it has mostly straight lines, to be fair. I mean, the straights <laughs> there are massive. It's why I thought that it favored Mercedes, but apparently the final section is just so Red Bull friendly that it claws it all back for them. You know? Isn't the final is section um, straight away? No, no, no. One? That's the first section. The so first we'll section. Ten to the flag. Ten to the checkered flag. It's like halfway to one. Oh my god, you're right. It is. It's crazy. Hmm. And then nine to ten is also a straightaway. Yeah. Um, eight to nine is pretty much a straightaway as well. And then five to eight is kind of like a curved area. One to four, or is it one to three? That's the straightaway. Because I know they class one of the turn or the straight. There's an area of the straight that I know they say is a turn, and it always annoys the announcer or the commentator. The two? No, the two, two yeah. They hate turn two. Um, because, because the isn't straight. Right. Well, they can call it the isn't straight. It is essentially straight. I mean, obviously, my dappling and sim racing, the Assetto Corsa car would like to say, no, it is not a straightaway. But it is a straightaway. Um, I have spun there, embarrassingly. I mean, it is a straight, but, you know. We're not it isn't straight, that. though. If you look at the track map, there's, like, a slight curve on it. It's, it's a it's, kink, that's for sure. It's a kink, but it, Rashad, it's not like a chicane. It's not anything that crazy. Have you seen the elevation map as well? It's crazy. And, yeah. um... Yep. Oh, what was it? On Google Maps, someone's placed markers from famous things in F1 races. <laughs> so you've got Verstappen's gearbox failure. You've got Hamilton's despair. I think you've got uh, Hamilton snipes Albon. You've got all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I'll have to find that again. But that was one of the funnier things I found while looking at F1 tracks on Google Maps. Uh, don't ask me why I did that. Um, but anyways, the Austria is a good one. There's actually going to be two Austrian races because, um, you know, COVID and stuff. Right. What else? Rashad. I assume you're very happy that they canceled Turkey, but why are you happy? Because it's Turkey. Why? Just because it, it took your beloved Canada does not yes. mean it's a bad race. <laughs> it does. 
which the thing that I love is the fact that it took Canada off the schedule, and then when it got taken out, taken off the schedule, and I announced that on the podcast, they're like, "Ooh, Canada's back," and I said, "Nope, Canada's not back." And oh, that was interesting. Okay, but Luca turns seven through nine in Austria, right? No, uh, Turkey. Turkey. Here, let me go look it up. I in that one really faster. Seven through nine is just kind of rounded. The one really fast turns probably um fourteen. I'm looking at turn seven, eight. Yeah, okay, I see that. It looks just kind of boring. It's almost like Austria no. in that way. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a really interesting turn that you can barely take flat out. Uh, actually, the last Don't. year they couldn't take it flat out at all. But um, Rashad. Your favorite car can take it flat out. Now, I think you know which your favorite car is. RB6. Uh, yes, yes. It's your favorite car. It's very special. It can do that. <laughs> I hate that car. Why do you hate that car? It's a brilliant car. Have you seen that nose? Amar, Rashav is trying to argue to me, in vain, obviously, that um, the Red Bull RB6 is not Ugly. the greatest F1 car of all time. Please look and prove me correct. But it's high nose. It can't be the greatest. So then what do you provide as your greatest car of all time? The VAR Honda. Oh, okay. You come to the light side. Which one? Actually, wait. Never mind. Not VAR Honda. We can do uh, McLaren. Okay. Ah, uh, the 31. No, which one call it? Why not the MP420? <laughs> I think you know why. Rashad, I don't think you understand how great that car looks. Amar, we're having the argument about greatest F1 car. Oh, has he dropped out? I mean, the MP4-31 is not bad. The 31? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that 2019 or is that 20? 2016, I think. Hello, Amar. I I can't. I just can't. My brain's... Um, Last thing I remember is something about the Rebel RB6. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So, Amar, Rashad and I are having this argument, and it's an argument that we have uh, every other week or so, about the greatest-looking F1 car of all time. Or, really, in my case, I say it's the greatest F1 car of all time. But um, he says it's terrible. So, I think it's time to have our argument, because we've never done this on the podcast before with Amar. Um, what do you think is the best-looking F1 car of all time? You've got the entire internet to help you. Uh, are we, the MP4-12... Okay, one second. Which, what era is that from? Um, I'm not 100% sure here. Oh, wow. Okay, um, this is not very helpful. Rashab, it says it's a 2012 luxury car by McLaren. No, that is not an <laughs> F1 car. <laughs> no, the F1 car thing. Ah, um, oh, I see it. Okay. Um, oh, that's a nice one. It's got slick tires. But I think the 14 looks better. Uh, Lotus 38 for me, boys. Lotus 38. Okay, let's find this. 30. Oh, wow. Okay. That works. Yeah. No, no, that that definitely... Oh, wow. Oh, do you like the yellow exhaust pipes? Because I'm liking those. Everything about it is just perfect. Yeah. The open wheelness, the... Yeah. The, just the, the shape. I don't know. I can't. The noise, everything about it. Yeah. If only they go race those. Other than the fact that they caught on fire a bit. I feel like we've had an argument about this car before. 
Have we? No, uh, we have. There's no way we talked about like, this. Oh, we talk, I believe we talked about something. I, I think it was like a Lotus something. And you said it was just a bunch of like, it was just an engine strapped on to like a box or whatever. Or an engine like strapped onto a chassis, but that's what's so cool about it. Is it not? <laughs> you said it was like dangerous or something. Well, it is dangerous, but that's what's yeah, so cool absolutely. about it. I mean, well, not the danger, but you know, the fact that it is essentially it's raw power. Yeah. Yep. Power, unadulterated awesomeness. Yeah, I mean, wow. Oh, look at all the, the nose cones come off of that thing. I'm looking <laughs> at model prices for it, and um, for a one to eighteen scale model, which is apparently what's considered the standard, uh, we're looking at eighteen thousand dollars for a model. Wow. Yes. What? What scale? Uh oh no, excuse me. That's one to eight. No, I was looking at the wrong scale. One to eight is eighteen grand. Mm. That's crazy. Sweet um, hard no. Yeah, so I'm not gonna be buying one of those. Um, Are you sure? Yeah, and I just don't <laughs> have eighteen grand lying around. Uh, not, yeah. I, you know, that's for our plane fund. Ah, uh, yes, I suppose. Oh, the eighteen thousand eight hundred and forty-nine dollar one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see you. Well, Amar, we quite often have the argument about what is the greatest plane on this podcast, as it is only a technically an F1 podcast. Mm. So That's a... Uh, there's so many good airplanes. Um, I know. Oh. See, this oh, is your okay. area of expertise. This is exciting. Here's your opinion on this. Rashad, you're going to say... I know what you're going to say. It's the Diamond Air DA62. That's what you're no, I'm not oh, going to really? say that. I'm going to say it is probably the Honda Jelly. Honda Jet Elite. Either that or... Um, oh, I know that one. Or the... I believe it's a Phenom 100 or is it the Praetor 100? I forgot. Honda Jet's amazing. I like that one a lot. Oh, yes. Although the Phenom it is a 100. Bit, Rob, it is a bit small. Yes, that's because I don't want to... I don't want to have... I don't want to have to get a pilot and pay their whole salary. Ah, I see. I that would see. make my wallet bleed. Rashad, you sort of take the standpoint of let's avoid, you know, extra prices at all costs. Your tax avoidance methods are legendary on our podcast. <laughs> and, you know, we, we've set up our company in, in what, the Cayman, the Cayman Islands. Islands. Um, we've purchased our million-dollar podcast studio from Oregon. We've really gone out of our way to dodge taxes. Uh, but anyways, oh, Red Bull's got a Honda Jet. Amazing. Well, yeah, what'd you expect? They are like... Well, no, you forget now that they're gonna, you know, leave Honda. You forget that they're gonna be, uh, or that they'd have a Honda Jet, but that's very cool that they have one. Amar, what do you think? Uh, hold on, I'm, I can't remember the exact model name, but give me one sec to Google web it, and I'll tell you right now. You got a brand? I can help you out. Ah, it's the Rutan, I think Boomerang? Hold on. Yeah, it's the Rutan, Rutan, R-U-T-A-N, Boomerang. All right, one second. Model 202, if that helps. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that is very cool. That's interesting. It's actually, like, really fascinating because it's, like, it slightly reduces, like, the drag of, you know, most typical twin engine. Um, Right. And then, like, you lose one engine, especially if it's, like, the outer one, and, like, 
you don't have this weird yaw effect. I don't know. Just look, do the research webs, internet, internet's researchings and stuff, yeah. and see. It's pretty cool though. Oh, that is really that's really an interesting idea. Because then, if yeah. one if your side engine goes out, then yeah, you would not just be thrown around. Well, even yeah. if your main engine goes out, you can still be fine. Well, yeah, basically, like you don't. If well, assuming the outer engine goes out, you don't have to really adjust for um like dead engine drag and yeah. the effects and everything. So it's pretty cool. That's brilliant. Yeah, um, it is. Rashad, must I divulge my speed and power pick for the greatest airplane of all time? Sure. Okay, uh, I go for the seven forty seven dash eight. Nope, you can stop now. Okay. <laughs> Look, what, seven, what airplane I'm, is that? I've never heard of that. Wait, wait, wait. You've never heard of the 747? No, I never. That's not even a real plane. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. You've got to look this thing up. It is Boeing 747. You've got to look this thing up. I don't even think United has any of them anymore. Okay, s- settle down, Jack. You know I'm kidding, right? Yeah, yeah. It works for an airplane company. No, I know. I know. I know. Look, by the time you joined United, I, did, I think we sold most of it. <laughs> oh, already, yeah. Right? It goes out sometime. Actually, no, 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 no. Sorry. The, the month? And the year I joined United was when, when they uh, retired them from service. So I never got. Oh, okay. Look, I'd say it's the greatest plane of all time, but I think one of the best looking planes of all time is Concorde. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a, in its own class, though. Yeah. So well, not- I think these new supersonic jets are trying to do something that I'd consider is impossible. I mean, they're trying to, like, legally fly supersonic. You just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool idea, and I hear United's placed an order on the boom jets, but... Yeah, um, it's not a real thing. I don't think it's going to happen. What is it? Actually, is it an order, or is it an option? No, like, the the thing is, it's different when, um, at least to the best of my knowledge, it's different when you place an order for, say, like, an Airbus A321. Like, the thing exists, you know it's real. Yeah. They, you probably put some money down and then pay the rest when you get delivery, take delivery. Right. Like, boom, I don't think they even, they even have, like, a scale functional model of anything. I think it's all oh. natural. And um, so, like, it'd be really stupid to pay for something that you don't, you haven't even seen proof of concept yet. Wait uh, a minute. I assume they're thinking that you guys are going to pay their um, their development costs, right? Is that what they're hoping for? Here's the thing. Right now in the aviation, or like at least in the commercial aviation industry, cash is king, given like all the daily cash burn and everything. Right, obviously. The current theory, because nothing's been, you know, officially said, is that uh, obviously Boom needs good publicity and whatnot. Uh, We're desperate for cash. So the thinking is Boom probably paid us some money to, you know, quote unquote, partner up and place orders. Oh God! Cool video and all this and that, so we get some immediate cash on hand, which helps us in our daily operations. They right, get good for you guys. And then... It's good for it's honestly good for both, but yeah. I'm highly doubtful. I mean, I like the boom concept. I get the whole how it's supposed to work and reduce like the sonic boom effect and everything. Yeah. Is it really? Is it what's needed? Uh, I'm gonna press X to doubt. So yeah, I mean it's ah. It's a beautiful plane, though. It's cool, yeah. Well, uh, what I don't get is how are they actually doing it without afterburners? Uh, I, magic. I mean, I ran it. I didn't run it through a simulation. 
I, I mean, I don't even really have a simulation, but I have some form of, like, old X-Plane. And uh-huh. I played around with the thrust of a non, um, a non, uh, what you call afterburning engine. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, a 777 engine. And I took it for, like, unrealistic fan speed, like, braking speed, sure. that sort of stuff. And I then put, like, two of them on a propeller plane. And that thing still didn't go supersonic. Yeah, I don't know if it... I, I really don't know, man. Uh, well, I'm curious to like what you know, but... As you said, they don't have the proof of concept model yet, but I'd be really interested to see if it actually comes and it happens. That'd be, a, yeah. that'd be amazing. It'd be cool to see any form of supersonic travel, yeah. but like, just harken back to the days of the Concorde, and I mean, I don't know how familiar you guys are, but there's a re- good, very good... Re- well, I guess several good reasons, but like one very good practical reason why that plane is no longer flying. That's a simple fact of like, yeah, I can go from New York to London in three hours or whatever. But in in what in what today would be a comparably like a domestic business class seat. So yeah. you basically would wake up, you know, it'd be like a five AM flight, you get there or you know, whatever the timing is, I don't know. Right. I think I'd much rather fly, leave here, you know, in the evening lay flat seat, good meal, drinks, yeah. watch a movie or two, and then wake up refreshed the next day in wherever I'm going. And I mean, for God's sake, you didn't even have lay flat seats. Yeah. I know that wasn't the standard at the time, but still. Absolutely, right, yeah. I mean, it flew to 2003. It's, for oh, the yeah. time it, was, it was far, I don't know, I think it was pretty redundant by the time it was the 2000s, but yeah. I don't know. It's one of those really cool planes that you don't want to see go out of service, like the 747, but you yeah. know it's the time to do it. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's like we're living in the future now. Right. But supersonic air travel is in our history. Like, that's right. I, you'd think it'd be the other way around, but it's just crazy. Yeah, it's one of those things that I heard that there was only one. I, was, I watched a documentary on Concord a couple months ago. Uh-huh. And the first flight of it was from England to Bahrain, which were the two, one of the two countries that you were allowed to go supersonic within. Yeah. And the funny thing about it was that the second that they left British airspace, they had to go subsonic. Yep. Until they hit the Gulf of, um, you know, the Gulf of uh, Bahrain, that sort of stuff. Right. And then they could go supersonic again. That yep. flight was mostly subsonic. Ter- and- terribly inefficient. Yeah. The thing doesn't even like maneuvering at subsonic speeds either, so it's like a handful to fly. Right. It's just crazy. I mean, you gotta you gotta land it at this unbelievable angle of attack. That oh yeah, stalling. Yep. Absolutely wild. Here's an idea. You should ha- you should do a an airplane podcast series at some point. Yes, we could. We can That'd dedicate like a couple episodes to airplanes. That'd be cool. We'll get yeah, on for that. Sure. Okay. All right. Um, in that case. Any final things for F1's future, we'll say. <laughs> I mean, no one's listening to us uh, here on this podcast, except, or nobody in F1, I'll say. But um, have we got opinions on how to fix F1? More, more tire manufacturers. Let them, yeah. let more tire manufacturers come in. Let teams have a choice of what they want. I agree. Just keep it a little bit different. Everyone's poo-pooing the idea of bringing new tire manufacturers in, but it's only because these people are, you know, not, well, actually, some of these people have their salaries paid by F1 because, you know, some of them are journalists. And 
because F1's on this long term, I say with quotation marks, long term contract with Pirelli, mm-hmm. um, they can't say anything bad about the tires. But obviously, they disintegrate when you they see even a piece of glass. I mean, <laughs> think about you know, uh, two thousand four, two thousand five, when they had the um, the groove tires. Those things were almost yeah. bulletproof. I mean, well, not almost, not bulletproof, but you know what I mean. They were pretty right. strong in comparison to what we have now. And then even the twenty tens when we had slicks again. You know, Bridgestone was considered to be a great slick tire maker. And then we went to Pirelli, and it went from being great, consistent tires to being tires that disintegrated. I mean, it's crazy to me that nobody took notice of that in 2011. We went from tires that lasted to tires that quite simply didn't. No, that's bad judgment. Honestly, I don't think Pirelli even makes good, like, passenger car tires. Like when you, when you go on forums or the internet in general, yeah, yeah, just Google it. Like no one's really ever saying Pirelli. So I don't know. It's a couple of big manufacturers that endorsed them. And then that essentially took off their entire, you know, reputation. Oh yeah, sure. All it took was like one McLaren endorsement and suddenly they're (laughs) everywhere. Yeah. Although then again, uh, let's not, we don't need to talk all about McLaren right now, but I think they're making too many cars at the moment. I mean, it's just like I th- every week you're getting a new special car from McLaren. Every car is just the MP412C in a different costume. Hot because tape. it's got the same engine every single time. I know, yeah. Totally. I don't get it. I'm like, uh, it's just the, the lineup is way too diluted at this point. I would agree I mean, with we you. Can- we have some time. We can get into it if you want to. I mean, we can go a little bit past an hour. I don't know about Rashad's time, but you and I can go past an hour if we sure, want. I actually have to go now. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Rashad. Thank you, uh, guys. Mark, absolutely. Thank you, Rashad. Bye-bye, Rashad. Nice talking See with you. you. Uh, Bye, Mar. Thank you, guys. Yep. We yeah. Can, you know, let's keep going on about the lineup um, of, well, what should we call it? You've got McLaren. Yeah. So, it's, it's a weird one because think about – the time that on top gear for the first time you had the um the or not set the P one on it. Yes. I think at that time we all thought, oh wow, they went from making a supercar that was four five eight beater uh-huh. to making the fastest car of all time. Yeah, which and honestly, then, outside the F one, that is peak McLaren in my in my opinion. Absolutely, and I think the MP four twelve C is got to be one of their worst cars. I mean, it's they went from it's make- it's bad. Like I, I agree, but at the same time, it, it um. It well, okay. I'll, I will say I will say the seven twenty S is definitely my favorite of their like more normal people cars. But the MP four twelve C, I mean, that was pretty hot when it hit the market, and absolutely, it was it was a good like entry level into this. You know what you know what you has this this yeah. company that has amazing racing pedigree and everything, and here's some that like you not normal normal people, but like. Somewhat normal people could actually buy and afford and enjoy. So, like, I like that they they came out with that, and it's kind of set the stage for future development. Development yeah. from them. And suddenly, a couple of years on Wall Street could earn you a um uh, a supercar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but as you said about the delusion of the lineup, I mean, I'm gonna go actually to their website right now. I'm gonna, you know research this as we speak and we're going to say exactly it's how many cars it's going to be like six cars and honestly mclaren should be mclaren should be one of those car manufacturers that they come out with a model they make it for a couple of years they come out with something else that it's fine if it's kind of like an evolution of that first one but like you just have one car at a time and not like in the past like year or two they come out with one 
and then here's this other one. It's pretty much the same thing, but slightly different. It's like what they're doing is just releasing like different trim levels, is what it feels like of the same car. Like yeah. you can't do that. The real the thing that bugs me about this is that they've gone in and originally, right, the first couple of years they had it nailed. They sure. had MP412C, as you said, great entry level supercar. You then had the P1, which is I would say one of the best hypercars there is, even though it was yeah. like a new landscape of, you know, almost 300 mile an hour hypercars. The people yeah. will always stand out to me as one of the best. Beautiful design, yeah. just uh, uh, everything about it. I love it. Then you had the, what was, I'm looking at the website right now, the 675 LT. Yep. And that was a special edition of the 650S. There you go. Okay. And those two, I think McLaren at that point was still special. I think yeah. say that, uh, you know, uh, without, you know, being ingenuous. But <laughs> right. then came the 570F, and that was an entry-level supercar for the entry-level supercar, which was the 650S, because yeah. that was pretty much what was the entry-level supercar. Then after that came the 600LT, mm-hmm. and that was a special edition of the entry-level supercar. And then there was the 600LT Spider, which was, the um, convertible version of the special edition of the entry level supercars, and yeah. that's when it starts getting confusing. Right. Then, Why did I say 720s? Is that a real thing, or was that thing of the 650? No, 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 no. You're thinking the right thing because that's next. We're going to talk about that. Next. Okay, perfect. Then cars that they're making right now, they're making the 720s, completely real car. That is a very cool car. I agree with you. Yeah, I yeah. think that call, follows on the legacy of the P1 very well, and I think it's uh-huh. a necessary car in their lineup. I don't know about yeah. you, but I like it. I like it, yeah. They then made a conversionable version of it. Fine. They're well within their right to do that. Other manufacturers do it too. <laughs> That's fine. It's true, yeah. But they then made a track version of it called the 765LT. And at this point, I think we're both questioning, all right, well, why do we need this thing? Uh, the well, okay, is, here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. All these cars... Porsche could do the same thing with the 911, but they don't. Yeah. You just have the 911 and you have different trim levels. This is what this is. They just, for some reason, they market them as different cars, which is, yeah. I don't think they're doing any harm to themselves. I think people are still buying the hell out of them because for good reasons, but I, I just like the way they present it. That's, I just don't understand that. Maybe it's an exotic car thing. I don't know. Maybe a Lamborghini is the same thing. I just am oblivious to it. I don't know. Yeah, but I think the Porsche reference is completely right about it. Because look at Porsche. I mean, Mercedes has just spent the past five years developing a car that can go around the Nürburgring. And then so has um, McLaren with the 765 LT. And these both brand these things as special, you know, one-off cars, even though they're pretty much just trim levels up from their other supercars. Yeah, yeah. And then Porsche just strapped a big rear wing to, a, you know, a normal uh, 911 turbo. And it just smashed all of their time. I mean, yep. If they can do that and sell it for less, I think they've got the right idea. Absolutely. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm going to be a Porsche guy to my death. So. Oh, I completely agree. Um, now, going back to the McLaren lineup, because as it turns out there are actually more cars that I missed. <laughs> uh, so there's one called Is there an Tour. SUV, perhaps? No, no, no. SUV coming in 2025. Uh, damn it. I yeah. know it's happening. Still coming. I mean, the fact that Lambo made an SUV and they might as well have confirmed the thing for Ferrari really pisses me off because those are yeah. both, you know, brands that we both consider pure-ish supercar brands. Well, and now they both yeah. made SUVs. I mean, well, sure the Lambo Lamborghini, just, I'm going to blame Audi for that one because... Yeah. Well, just Audi's yes. I mean, it's... 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, they're making the Arturo, which is a V6. How are they getting away with that? Then they've got the Ultimate Series. And the Ultimate Series has the McLaren Senna, which is, I think, it's a cool car, but also radically expensive and not as good as a P1 because it's slower yeah. um, everywhere. Speedtail, which is essentially supposed to be faster than the F1. I actually love that thing, I have to yes. say. I do okay. love it. I so forgot about it completely. Can we both agree that that's probably one of the best they make right now? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. And then they're also making one called the Elva, which doesn't have a windshield. So they're charging you more uh, and they're taking your windshield away. <sighs> That's a classic. That's a page out of Porsche's book. But Yeah. Okay. Well, even then, the Porsche Speedster still had a windshield or it was an option. It's true. Yeah. They're not I even giving you an option. Oh, wow. Very yeah. nice. Now, the final car that I've saved for last, uh, not because it's last in their lineup, because it's actually mid-priced, but it makes me angry, this one, out of yeah. All the cars, it does make me the most angry, is the GT. Now, I don't know about you, but I really don't think that McLaren should be getting to the point where they think they can make Grand Tourers. Because, quite simply, I don't think they can. Their job, at least to me, their job is to make fast supercars that do good lap times, that normal, not normal, but, you know, people that are in high-ish paying jobs can afford. Right? Yeah, I'm not I, – I totally get the segment they're trying to go for, but uh, I was going to say a little-known fact, but it's actually a vastly known fact. Leave that to Aston, Jaguar. They, they've – they, I feel like, you know, they even uh, – yes, I'm going to go with that. Aston's, Jaguars, they've got that segment figured out, and perhaps this GT could do – could maybe it handles better or maybe it's slightly quicker in some aspects and something Jag and Aston can put out. But I just think it's, I find it wildly unnecessary. I don't know. I don't know who's going to, because for how much more money can you get a, a McLaren that's probably faster, uh, has some more bells and whistles, probably looks well, better too. Actually, you say more money. It's actually less money because it's considered a mid to high range. This thing. Then I don't know what to think anymore with my life. I mean, the real thing that annoys me about this thing is they're calling it a Grand Tour, and it's got like half the trunk space of an actual Grand Tour. That's the, the other aspect, it, yep. Mm-hmm. You bring your bags on a Grand Tour. The Grand Tour, the name of the show that we all love and we don't uh, watch, right. right? They show you how to do a Grand Tour if you've got the money. You bring a car that's got trunk space and a bunch of power and that's comfortable. And you yes. drive it around Europe. That's exactly. how you do it, right? This is true. This is true. And this thing's got a bunch of power, not a comfortable ride, and no trunk space. It's <laughs> breaking two of the rules. Right, right. Anyway, it, it, that's, it's, it's pointless. It's pointless car. Yeah. It doesn't need to exist. I agree. Okay. So that's, that's pretty much, uh, at least that's my opinion on the, uh, the McLaren lineup. But I think yeah. when we compare it to other lineups from other manufacturers who are keeping pretty well – you know, or keeping their lineups, at least in my opinion, pretty strong. You were saying something about Lamborghini, and um, what, what do you think of them as a brand? I mean, I've got my opinion, but uh, I don't care. I don't care about. I've just I've come to the point in my life where I'm like, eh, I'm not gonna ever really be able to afford any of these exotics. Maybe one day I'll. Ideally, I appreciate older 
you know, days gone by now, older Ferrari and Lamborghini, the newer stuff really doesn't do it for me, to be honest. So yeah. with that said, I don't, I don't follow, nor do I really care about what they're doing. Yeah. The Lamborghini thing is interesting because I think as a brand, the purpose will pretty much always be to be the cover of, or on the yeah. cover of, the episode or you know top gear magazine yeah. or the grand tour that will be their main purpose main and, goal and honestly they just appeal the people they they appeal to is honestly just like the wrong crowd so anytime i see anyone driving a lamborghini it's he's a douchebag you're not cool for driving a lamborghini right not anymore not anymore that. you used to be but not anymore yeah. that's the thing I mean, but they are, they are cool cars. I yeah. will accept that they're cool. I, if someone handed me the keys to one, I'd be like, obviously, I will drive it. Uh, right. I mean, I think we can both agree pretty much any supercar will both, if we get the chance, we'll drive it. Obviously, I can't yeah. drive, but you know. You know, close that sort of idea. <clears throat> you can dream. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I have uh, some like old college friends. Uh, they were exchange students from Norway. Yeah. And uh, you can look this up. When you when you get a set when you get a chance, um, but it was a couple and the girl, her dad I guess is some like crazy oil tycoon in Norway, sure. and he's got the only LFA in the country. Uh, actually, yeah, look at Google uh, Rune yeah. R U N E, and then hey, I got it. I got one. The only the LFA figure. in Norway. Yeah, I got a YouTube yeah. video for it. And you're gonna find an article where he. <laughs> There was like some speed bump in his town that like always. Oh my made god! His... Yeah, he got it. He got it removed. <laughs> he removed the speed bump. Yeah, this guy's crazy. So one day when I get the chance to go to Norway because I can't right now, it's dang borders are closed. Yeah. Um, I'm hopefully going to be able to drive that one day. So stay tuned, and I'll let you know. Exactly. Well, you'll definitely be coming back on the podcast for that. <laughs> oh, you um, bet. Absolutely. Um. Anyways, anything else? Do we have to say, or I think we're probably pretty covered i think we've covered I, stuff i think we're good uh, it's a good time to end too i gotta get, start getting ready for bed because i got early shift tomorrow morning which is always fun oh very fun. um but no it's it a good podcast yeah great talk, talk, talk about a lot this time that's for sure Absolutely. sorry for the few uh disconnections there see no no that's not really a problem because for the amount of time that you were off it we normally talk about how difficult this podcasting platform is anyway so <laughs> it's not like we actually lost any time here uh, thank, you for on. thank you for coming on. Um, you know, can't wait to talk to you again. And yeah, yep. thanks for having me. Absolutely. All, All right, right, you have a good one now. Yep, you too. Bye bye. This is an O oh, for Heaven's Sake Studio recording, production copyright. I'm not quite sure of the day. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.